Radio Free Brooklyn. Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. You're listening to Bushwick Junction on Radio Free Brooklyn. This is a new show hosted by me, Asha. Bushwick Junction is a show about life's inflection points. It's about the crossroads in our lives, which paths we choose when we reach them, and where those choices lead us or don't. We'll talk about the decisions we agonized over and the decisions we didn't even realize we were making until years after we made them. We'll talk about how we decide things, how we weigh our options, or how we tap into our intuitions. And we'll talk about the degree to which our choices matter. Do we have any control over the things that alter our fate, or do we end up in the same place no matter which roads we take? On each show, I will have a guest tell me all the big decisions they've ever made in order. We'll start with birth, we'll fast forward to their first big decision, and we'll map out the road their life has taken as a series of inflection points or junctions. So with that, I will introduce today's very special guest, Shamia. Shamia, do you want to give me what I like to call a non-brief introduction to yourself? So, <laughs> you know, a little bit a little about your vital signs, the main things about you, but also some qualitative stuff too. Like, where do you feel like you're at in this life right now? Mm, wow, powerful. Um, <laughs> well, thank you for having me. And I should off. say, just because I find it weird to lie to my small budding listenership that we have a third person in the studio (laughs) Shamia's husband Elliot we we have him muted for a minute just because it's about Shamia's story at the moment but they've been together for a long time so it's entirely possible that you know we'll need his his input yeah back to you Shamia so your non-brief introduction yes so um first of all thank you for having me um sorry if I'm like I'm trying not to like okay yeah there you go Sorry, guys. I'm a soft-spoken person. <laughs> but yeah, I'm Shamia. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I um, currently do photography and design. I do stock photography, mostly, um, and portrait and lifestyle. And I do graphic and user experience design. Um I own my own business doing those things. Um, I even have a side hustle where I sell graphic tees and um, that's also a passion. Um, I enjoy baking, uh, going to the movies. I actually uh, went to school for theater and acting um, for like well over half my life. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I uh, 
definitely have a little bit of a performer still in me, but I don't necessarily do that so much unless you count my like YouTube stuff that I do every so often. Yeah, I feel like you've <laughs> neglected to mention three other things that you just <laughs> told me in while we were chatting right before the show, which is A, that you have a podcast of your own. <laughs> I do. B, that you're a low-key YouTube star, as, uh, is, as is your husband. Super low-key. <laughs> <laughs> like, super, super low-key. But yeah, I have a podcast on SoundCloud. It's called City of Shamia, and it's basically just me... Um, rambling hell yeah <laughs> about like Love life rambling. right and it's mostly about um my life as an entrepreneur but um also just like trying to make it the like day-to-day as just like a married woman an entrepreneur a sibling and just like trying to get through this thing called life as sane as possible which is pretty much impossible <laughs> yeah um, man yeah so it's basically like a hub for like all my uncensored things and um a lot of my listeners get to like see this other side of me that maybe i don't really get to show like on social media or anything like that so yeah an outlet for the performer in youtube yes yes exactly it's comedic so it's not as much crying as i had (laughs) thought it was going to be originally but there is some crying (laughs) that's totally fair i haven't cried on this show yet I look forward to it. It'll though. come. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think that I tend to gravitate toward multi hyphenates on this show. Yeah. But I think you might have the most hyphens of oh anyone I've had God. so far. Well, you're I'm like honored. a million things. So that's very cool. I'm excited to get into it all. Yeah. So question number one on this show is. Tell me about the circumstance into which you were born and what a life might have looked like. For someone, someone, just anyone who wasn't you, just anyone who okay. was born into the same situation you were. I actually think about that a lot. That's so interesting. <laughs> I feel like people have polar opposite reactions to that question. They're either like, know exactly what you mean, or they're like, mm, I don't really get it. I'm just mm. going to answer something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, for me, it's something I think about. I grew up, I'm from Newark, New Jersey, born and raised Jersey girl. And um, I grew up as everyone knows Newark to be it's like the hood (laughs) and so um being a kid from an inner city kid um I was raised by a single mom I had two other siblings and um you know life was never really easy and um I mean there were days we would like go to sleep hungry or we would have to wait for like uh, food stamps to hit the card in order to like eat and things like that our lights would be turned off so like there are a lot of things that because of my upbringing and childhood, it's sort of like conditioned me to be better at other um, aspects of my life, I guess I should say. So, yeah, I guess that's like the circumstance to which I was born. And what was the other part of your- I guess? <laughs> well, no, that that's a really good response to that. I think you also kind of got at my the second part of the question, which is like, what could come of someone who's born in that situation? And you kind of got at how you were programmed to like change that course from, from an early age. Yeah. I, um, I mean, even down to my name, I remember being super ashamed and like embarrassed by it. Cause I just felt like it was not a pretty name. I just thought 
like when people look at me, they're like, oh, another black girl with a black name, you know, that and, breaks my heart. Yeah. <laughs> and for the longest time, I wanted to change it. And I remember just being miserable about it. And um, I remember telling people like, I want to be called Phoebe because I used to be obsessed with Charmed yeah. back in the day. And she was my favorite character. And I, I still wanted like an interesting name. I just didn't want one that when I was younger, like to me, it sounded super black. <laughs> and now i realize like how super like problematic that was and how i was like conditioned by society to think that and so um now it's just like i don't even like bat an eye anymore like introducing myself i used to just like be so shy about telling people my name and also like where i came from most people like their interaction with newark new jersey is like the airport or the prudential center so um and that center didn't come until like way later (laughs) in my life i'm curious you're talking about this discomfort you had with your name and i mean by like by extension with your upbringing or Mm -hmm. just sort of what your background was it because you were interacting with people of a different background great question yeah um when i was younger um like elementary school middle school Uh, junior high even through high school it was just predominantly like people of color I in my high school alone I probably only knew like two white people and they were they were like the only two white people in our (laughs) entire school so then when I went to college it was like a huge shock but at the same time, it, it wasn't because I watched a lot of TV. Interesting. <laughs> um, especially because I wanted to be an actor. So it was always my homework to watch a certain movie or, you know, a certain show or, you know, whatever. And a lot of the images were mostly white people. And so just from that alone, like I'd never heard my name in a script or a play. Um, even when you go to like those corny corner like little touristy shops and you look for your name on a keychain like my (laughs) name is never there and so (laughs) right and so um it's like little things like that that sort of build up to when you're like older and you don't really think about it when you're a kid you're to you it's just like embarrassment or just like shame or feeling like you don't belong but as I got older I realized that it was just like this conditioning to make me feel othered Um, just because I was a minority. And so taking back my name and like embracing it really brought back a lot of my power and not being ashamed either to say like, Hey, I'm from North New Jersey. Like, yeah, that's only like one aspect of me. Like I went to college, I'm married, I have a dog, I like eating. You you have a bunch of things. It took us like a full seven minutes just to get through (laughs) all the things at an intro level. Yeah. It's just crazy. Like what you think defines you versus like what actually defines you. And for the longest time, I thought like what I looked like and what my name was like that defined me when really like that's just only a couple aspects of, of who I am. It's not like the root of who I am. So it was a a huge journey for me to like go through that because I just spent a lot of my time being embarrassed and ashamed just because like when I went to college and it was predominantly rich white people like I didn't even know anyone who was rich like I didn't even know people who their parents were still together like it was just so foreign to me and so like having to interact and socialize and not let that become my worth was like a huge struggle in my life. 
to not be defined by where I came from and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I can imagine. That sounds just so hard. And it, it, when, it was powerful when you said that coming, becoming accepting of that is when you unlock your power. Because if you're spending your mental energy preoccupied with the, these things, mm. we only have so much brain. You just can't yeah. spend your energy being creative, mm-hmm. being productive being like special and extraordinary if you're just in conservation mode the whole time. Yeah. It breaks my heart that that was part of your journey. And I think it's really powerful to share that with other people. Just lessen that for them a little bit. Well, thank you. I mean, it, I mean, it does suck. Like I tell my husband all the time, and this is something like we actually just spoke about. Um, I don't really like bringing up my past like I just feel not because I'm ashamed of it but because I know it's not like a happy one I didn't really have like a super happy childhood and you know um even in high school like my mom passed away when I was 16 and I just didn't even think I would finish or live past like the age of 18 and so like I try to just focus on like the positive things and just like the future because I feel like the future is so unpredictable but you still have a little bit of control there in that you can create new steps for yourself and new experiences yeah Yeah. a lot of control Mm -hmm. not all of it but yeah a lot yeah but with your past it's like that is gone like you cannot even edit like you can't so i was just telling him like the other day like i just realized how silent i am (laughs) during like some dinners just because everyone's like oh like my in my childhood I remember this or I I barely remember like my childhood and I think a lot of it has to do with just like repressing a lot of negative yeah yeah. and so I just don't participate and uh, I don't ever want to like make someone feel bad for living the best childhood they've ever had in fact like I want to hear more from them because I've never experienced it so it's like cool yeah (laughs) and so um but yeah but i'm learning like to uh i guess the word is like reposition like how i think about my past and not let it be like a negative thing oh my god i hope that i hope that that (laughs) happens for you and of course you're entitled to sift through your trauma as much or as little as you want but the idea of not sharing Mm -hmm. because it might bring other people down. I just, it breaks my heart. I think that there should be enough room for both. There should be enough room for people's happy experiences and, and yours and other people's sad experiences. We all have some shit in our lives that would bring other people down if we shared it. And you seem to have a little bit more than your average person. And I just hope that, I hope, you know, there's lots of room for that. Yeah. I love getting into stuff like that Me here. Too. I think it's really powerful. Yeah. And I think it kind of gives you a superpower. I think that you know, you, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sensing some superpower in this room. I'm thinking you could teach me some things that I don't know yet. <laughs> well, um yeah. that was a really good answer to your your life circumstances question. Thank you. Um <laughs> and I'm I'm really sorry to hear about your mom when you were 16. That's just so sad. Thank you. Um, I the the next thing I ask on the show is the first big decision that you remember. But I would say that a junction, you know, I'm interested in decisions here, but also in inflection points that we don't choose. 
So if you wanted to get into what happened and how you were affected by your mom, that would be totally okay or not. If you'd rather choose to speak about the the first big thing you decided to do, that would be fun too. It's up to you. Um, I guess to put it bluntly, the first like major decision um, was like just after my mom's death, it was to finish high school. You mentioned before about like, circumstances and like if it was any other person besides you like what would be different essentially or you know in that realm and I feel like I could have easily gone the other way I could have just like dropped out and just fully embraced um I guess like the darkness (laughs) and yeah uh you know like Lord Voldemort (laughs) And just like fully went Death Eater and just like destroyed my life and those around me. But um, I don't know. I just had the thought like if my mom was still here, like she would not have this. She would not want me to um, pause my life because that was a huge thing. I think the thing that people don't really ever explain to you about death is not like a death itself, but it's just like the living that you have to continue doing and the further away you get from the last time you were with that person. So like your brain just gets full with new memories, which means that old ones sort of have to leave. (laughs) And obviously you want to like, like with my mom, I want to keep like every single thing. And she died before like, Facebook became a thing or, you know, texting even. And so like, I don't have like a voicemail that I could listen to or text or even an email. So it's all just things I have to rely on just mentally. So um, making the decision to finish high school was a way for me to like honor my mom essentially. And so it was hard, especially because she raised us on her own. And I had two younger siblings, and it was just like a mess after she died. Uh, We were um, separated, actually, by the state. And um, we had to, like, testify in front of a judge. And uh, because one of my mom's best friends from church wanted to adopt us. And um, my, my brother's father just was, like, not having it. And he took us to court, and I ended up being split from my brothers because since I was 16 I was able to make the decision for myself but I also wasn't old enough to make it for them and uh, they were too young to make it for themselves and so we got split and um, in the beginning I saw them on and off and then it was few and far in between and if like you knew the relationship I have with my brothers. Like we never fought. We were like ideal siblings. Aww. I really love them. They're like my favorite people. Aww. And to have them not with me anymore, it was just like another death. It oh felt like. God. And so after high school, I just felt like totally alone. And it, I feel like that led to like my second junction, which was like, do I go to college? Like why even go to college? And I started to think that and I don't know, it was just like a really, really dark time. But at the same time, it made me think about things that people my age weren't thinking about. And so it, it sort of better prepared me for what was coming. Right. 
How do you, that sounds so hard to be separated from your siblings who are the only people in the world who knew what you were going through at that time. Everything's okay. Of course, yeah. (laughs) I just mean at a time when you needed them the most to not have them in your home with you sounds, yeah, you deserve all the credit in the world for powering through that time. Had you always planned to go to college and this was the time when you were like, well, why with all my plans? Yeah, um... Like I said, I was really into movies and TV. So for me, going to college was, I I thought it would be just like in the movies. Like you would go and hang out in like the dorms and meet like friends and have like fun and like party and just like have the time of your life while also going to class and learning things. (laughs) And so um, before my mom died, I like couldn't wait. I had like all these options and I was just thinking like, oh, do I go out of state? Like, oh my God, my mom's going to have to visit me. Like, is she really going to travel that far? And I started thinking about like all these things, my brothers, like, and then she died and I was like, "Mm, does any of this matter? (laughs) And, um, and then I started thinking like, you know what? I can't like throw away my whole future just because I don't know what's happening right now. Um, I just need to take like the first step. And so I just started thinking of things in steps. Like step one was looking at the colleges. Step two was whatever. But I kind of took too long to do that. And I ended up only applying to one college and I actually got accepted. So fantastic. I, yeah. What was that? Do I know this? Where did you go to college? Fairly Dickinson. Okay. University. Was that close? Where was that? In Madison, New Jersey. Okay, so mm-hmm. it wasn't so far from home. You Mm-mm. could still be close to the family situation, to your mm-hmm. siblings. Yeah, but this time, since it had been like, she died my junior year, and so it was like rapid. I had to take the SATs and like all this other stuff. And that I missed- That sounds like hell. Yeah, that it was so hard. I look back and I'm like, how did I even do that? I can barely wake up at nine now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine- just like doing all of that. But um, I ended up applying to Fairleigh Dickinson. And the reason why I did it was because it was cheaper. And that was like my number one thought versus like, is this the best school for me? But at the same time, they offered something that I saw as like a beacon of hope. And it was um, their study abroad program. Because I was a theater major. That's what I was going for. And it was mandatory for theater majors to study abroad. So I was like, great. If I have to be forced to do it, that's like the only way I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so I applied. I really like gave it my all. And um, we had to audition and, and like all this stuff. But at the same time, it wasn't only that. But like I was still poor. Like, <laughs> And these college applications are, are a business in themselves. It's like $50 an application, 100 or more and I didn't yeah. have the money to be able to apply to to even three colleges and right. so I really had to you know make that one count <laughs> and um actually thanks to my school I went to um a performing arts school they waive the application fee oh. and so I was able to apply and audition high school mm-hmm. amazing yeah and so it was it was all connected so if it wasn't for that I don't know what I would have really done So, wow, this is a big junction because there's a few things going on here. One, the idea of taking things in steps, being like, I don't even know how to approach this big thing that I know I I don't even know if I want. So how do I set myself up to at least 
have it available to me mm-hmm. if I decide I do want it. Mm-hmm. And you did that. And then there was, I mean, your audition, it was like the hard work you put in. Mm-hmm. And then it sounds like there was also a tiny bit of chance involved that your school happened to cover the yeah. fee for this mm-hmm. this place. So this is all a big domino effect of like blood, sweat and tears and also luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I forget who said this quote, but like 90% of luck is like showing up. I think that was Bill Gates, actually. Or was it Warren Buffett? I don't know. One Bill of them. Gates says just show up. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like ni- 90% of um success is showing up and i'm gonna go ahead and say bill gates is full of shit on that one because you like did way more than just show up (laughs) i mean i guess you know maybe it was just but the showing up for you in that phase of life sounds like it was extremely hard Mm -hmm. so good for you thank you um (laughs) so you get there to college um was it like the movies Well, here's the thing. My first semester, I had to commute because, again, I could not afford to stay in the dorms and I um, got denied um, certain financial aid for whatever reason. And so I had to commute. So my first semester in college was very lonely. I ate my lunches in the basement of the library by myself. I used to show up at school. My classes would be like at 8 a.m. I would show show up there at like six because i was like terrified of being late (laughs) and so i would just spend like two hours like reading and and doing whatever um and my first semester i didn't really talk to a lot of people and stuff but um eventually i decided to join um this club on, on the campus and that's where i met like some of my best friends that i'm like literally still friends with till this day and what made you decide to join it what club was it okay so it was called campus crusade for christ okay. <laughs> i was super super uh christian at the time and um it just felt uh familiar and um and so they had i'll never forget they had a sadie hawkins dance and that's where like you have to ask the the guys well obviously i didn't have no guy to ask <laughs> <laughs> um so your girl went stag <laughs> oh, yeah. and i remember um walking up to um they had it in on campus they call it the mansion and it looks like a freaking mansion and i walked in by myself and i was like why did i do this this is not no um but i walked in and two people uh well the leader of the uh, group she walked up to me she was like oh my god i'm so happy you're here uh you know like enjoy like this is what we're doing like you know whatever I was like, great. And so obviously she had to like host other people so she couldn't babysit me like I wanted her to. (laughs) And so I sat at a table and I like, I'll never forget two girls walked up to me. And um, one of them is Jess. Shout out Jess. uh, Hey Jess. Hey girl. Hey. And the other one uh, was Marissa. And um, I'll never forget their kindness. They came up to me. They were like, oh my God. Your outfit is so cute. And, you know, it doesn't take much for girls to become best friends. So (laughs) I was so, you know, in shock that they even, like, came up to me. But I was also, like, so appreciative. And I was just, like, I need to, you know, do whatever it takes to, like, be these people's friends. Because, like, it's not every day that people just walk up to you and do you, like, a solid. (laughs) And so from that moment on, they would, like, invite me to, like, lunch and 
hang out with them and all this other stuff. And from there, it like blossomed into a friendship that I still have today. That's so great. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a beautiful junction. Yeah. It's like a little bonus junction. Mm -hmm. The moment you like were graced with the kindness of your current best friends. I love that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we should get to big, big choice number two. And I'm just going to frame the way I'm thinking of this. Sometimes you set one junction into motion with a previous junction. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned this, you gave yourself no choice but to study abroad. Mm -hmm. So you kind of made two big decisions in one. Yeah. So that's my other junction, studying abroad. I'm someone, my mom didn't even have a passport. She never left um, New Jersey, essentially. Um, And so getting my passport and actually like leaving the country was such a big deal because I ha- I hadn't known any, literally none of my friends had ever traveled uh, farther than like New York or Pennsylvania. Wow. And so it was like really huge for me. But the ironic thing is that I applied the year before and I didn't get in because my grades weren't good enough. And um, I was kind of really close to like the deadlines. <laughs> um, and so I was actually supposed to go with Jess and Marissa and I ended up going um, a year after. And so um, that was crazy. <laughs> and I and that's when I actually met the love of my life. <laughs> okay, we, we're going to turn up the mic on him for a second. Okay. Hey, love of Shamia's life. Uh, hi, I'm the love of Shamia's life. <laughs> All right. So maybe we can just like, like scoop you in here for this part of yeah, the story. Yeah, sure. Um, this is where you guys met in England? Yeah, we actually, this is a funny story. We actually met on the line in customs in Heathrow Airport. <gasps> Do you want me to put you on blast? Like oh, this? God. oh my God, here wait, we wait. go. Can I just say something real quick? Yeah. If you hadn't gotten, if your grades had been good enough right. to go with Marissa and yep. Jess, you guys would never have nope. met. Nope. <laughs> I, I went to the same school, but the other campus. Mm-hmm. So I would have never met her. You mm-hmm. went to the same school in England, not the in, same uh, college. The same college. Sorry. Oh. And I went to the, but a different campus in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I would have wow. probably never run into her. Yeah, he's from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But you might have met. Yeah, you wouldn't have met in London because mm-hmm. you wouldn't have been in London. No. Wow. Okay. Love this. Love this. <laughs> All right. So put put her on blast. What's right. the blast? So it's the here. first time I, I meet Shamia, um, I can sleep anywhere. So I slept the full however many hours it is eight hours to get to england on the uh, plane i slept the whole way so uh, we land and i'm the only one who's ready to go everyone else looks miserable because nobody slept (laughs) and i said i saw this girl in the the line to customs and i looked at her and i said hey i love your hair and what did you say thank you You, to my knowledge she said okay (laughs) so i turned around i was like no that's over oh no (laughs) no chance there Okay. Was it like an okay or was it like an okay? It was a total miserable okay from someone who looked like they needed sleep really bad. Well, yeah, she did. Okay. Fair. No. Wow. Great story. Check the tapes. But wait, so tapes. you happened to be, was there, were there a lot of other students on the scene? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. A group okay. of Okay. This wasn't that weird. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. No, no, no. no. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was this. just saying hi. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Great story. Yeah. And she doesn't believe me. I, it's, mm. You don't believe that you'd say that? Yeah, because I just would never. If someone pays me a compliment, like I'm well, not going to. I was there. So I saw <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, you were both there. Yeah. Well, she was too tired to be there. No. Okay. So <laughs> I feel like the, the name of this episode should be She Said Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Love it. Okay. Oh, man. Uh, well, thanks for your participation, Elliot. <laughs> to which I say, okay. <laughs> Bye, Elliot. All right. Uh, no, we're gonna let we're gonna let you back in. No, he could totally talk. Yeah, we're gonna let you like we're gonna let you participate in this part of the story. Yeah. Uh, so you get there. Were you guys? Were, were you a big part of your experiences together abroad, or was it? Did it take longer than that? No, it, um, we were basically together all the straight time. Straight away. Yeah, because um, it was a small group of us. Mm-hmm. How many students? Probably like less than thirty. And this was your junior year of college. Um, well, technically it was my senior year. Okay. It was my junior year. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so that was the other thing. I was cutting it real close for when I could go to England. Mm. So when I got rejected, they were like, look, we don't know if you're going to graduate. I was like, look, I need to go to England. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but yeah, so right off the bat, we were, we had two classes together. Um, then there was like tea time and lunchtime and dinner and then we also had field trips um that they would just take the whole class on so we didn't have classes on fridays so thursdays we would go to like paris or scotland and then we would Aww. just come back on monday and it would be cool so we got to really get to know each other really quickly because we were always traveling but always like studying together like working together and just around each other all the time Right. Yeah, that's that like crazy. I studied abroad too, and it's this like frantic, like everything's foreign except this one group of people. Mm-hmm. So you're like an instant family. Yeah. Really mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, just because I'm obsessed with this sliding door moment of yours, <laughs> why, why, why were your grades slipping? Like what was going on that you were like, oh, my grades just aren't as good as Jess and Marissa's? Um, I just like. To what do you owe meeting the love of your life? Um, I owe a lot to mm-hmm. this guy right here. No, but what do you, what happened in your life that prevented you from yeah. going the first time yeah. I applied? Um, I don't know. It was definitely like self-sabotage because mm. one, it was going to be this experience that I literally had no other experience to really draw from mm-hmm. to sort of get like a conclusion or some kind of you know, feel for how it was going to be. And then at the same time, and I've been thinking about this a lot, I guess like a part of me didn't think I deserved it. It goes back to the loss of my mom. Like here's another great experience and she is not here to like help me through it or to, you know, take me to the airport. And so it was like not only being a part of this experience, but also not getting the chance to share it with her and so i think subconsciously it was like well i don't deserve this this is like too much um and i think that was again i just think it was like self-sabotage like i just i knew i had to do it but if i could have just like prolonged it a little more and it's always like just a little longer just like one more day and it turned into like oh my god this isn't gonna happen (laughs) yeah um and so i guess like that's what i was thinking i was just like felt like I wasn't worthy of that experience. And then if I were to get it, like what does it even matter if the one important person that I would want to share it with, like she's just not here. Like what's, you know, why bother? Yeah. 
And then Jess and Marissa came back from England and they were like, you have to go. <laughs> they were like, you have to go because it's amazing. And if you don't, you'll regret it. And wow. I was like, All right. <laughs> I love this. And I'm, I'm sorry to make you sift through that hard feeling and sit in it for a minute. But I think we just built like a silver lining from the outside in. <laughs> like, yeah, if anyone's anyone's out there feeling that way about themselves right now that they don't deserve some great thing yeah, you do though go do the great thing yeah. and then another great thing even yes. will happen like, on top of literally, it literally i mean and this is nothing to say like how i just felt in terms of like my like personal social life like just i i had never had a boyfriend he's my first and last boyfriend oh my like God. i've never been with anyone else and i mean that a lot of it has to do with being a, a freaking nerd but <laughs> also just like I, I you know i was uh, for, i was scared to like share my life with you know with someone else again it goes back to like it being super sad and not wanting to like put that on someone else and you know also reliving it and and all this other stuff and um <clears throat> something to say that i just never thought i would be married i honestly thought i would be single forever and i would be like a cast member on saturday night live like i thought i was going to be like career focused like so much that by the time i was 60 i was just going to be like oh shit i never did that part of my life like i never fell in love i never been in a relationship like i really thought that was going to be me wow so it's even crazier that i met him in england and my friends would ask like is he british i'm like nah he's not <laughs> even he could do a british accent <laughs> but he's not so it's just like so like interesting to think about and just like go like going backwards to see like what led to this moment and it's yeah. just like i don't know how like even explaining it now is just it still feels impossible like wow. if i hadn't brought him back from roxton i would have felt like that never happened like from england I, it just felt like a surreal experience like i had never been i mean i'm from like the tri-state area so i've been around people from other cultures but i've never been to like a new city like with a different people and just like you know, being on a plane for like eight hours across like the ocean. I was like, this is crazy right now. Wow. And just to think about like meeting the love of my life there is just like the best thing. I mean, I had always dreamed of going to England just as a theater major, like, you know, birthplace of Shakespeare, you know, you yeah. kind of want to, you know, dive into that, but to like fall in love and come back and, and say, Hey, like, this is who I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. <clears throat> like, it's it's crazy to think about. Like, I never thought. It sounds like you just really opened yourself up to so much in that short amount of time. Like, you describe feeling unworthy and feeling like share like sharing <clears throat> your life and putting your sadness on someone else would be the hardest and scariest thing in the world. And going away and enjoying something enjoying an exciting adventure would be the scariest thing in the world you just really did all that in like six months yeah it's crazy Good for you thank you it's just so interesting to think about i can't even believe it well she's told me and we did the same thing um sort of independently directly before we came to england we both adopted a sort of say yes mindset to everything wow. so when we went to england you know i was the same way i was actually a pretty introverted guy 
and I decided I was going to become a just flip and go full extrovert and go crazy in England and not only go crazy, but say yes to everything. And we did. And we had a great time. And the, if I hadn't decided to do that, it would have been a completely different experience. And she did the same thing. And we yeah. talk about it all the time. Yeah, because that's when he asked me out, he was like very what? direct. Yeah, he was, he's <laughs> very direct. That's something that he's taught me to be more um, like cos- cognizant mm-hmm. of just to be a little more confrontational um, not in the negative sense, like people usually, you know, associate it with, but just like taking a stand for like what you want and, uh, you know, going after it. And he's taught me a lot about that. And it's just so funny because he asked me out, he was like, like, what are you looking for? And I literally said, I don't, I don't know. What are you looking for? <laughs> right. And it was like pretty much a cop-out answer because yeah. I didn't know. I mean, I, I didn't know. You but I have been expected to know. You were 22. Yeah. yeah. And so he was like, I, I was like, what are you looking for? And he said, um, I'm looking for like a serious relationship. And I was like, me too. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, okay. <laughs> yeah, essentially. <laughs> I was like, okay. I really love the confluence of your say yes, mm-hmm. like mantras like mm-hmm. and you finding each other right at that time where you decided to do that and i can't help but feel like that it makes a great story arc with saying okay mm-hmm. <laughs> you you agreed to say okay to mm-hmm. everything right well, there you, it is you know the, i mean it was yes it wasn't uh yes i will do this but it was yes we'll try you know yeah. yes we'll do you know and to, before that we were both uh say no people right. you know <laughs> to say no to wow. you know knew like anything that was outside of the comfort zone it was you know but i'm in england so <laughs> right. i'm far from everything that's yeah. comfortable so and, let's go and the other aspect and this is something else we talked about it's just like the factor of people not knowing who you really are there and it's sort of like a blank slate yeah and so i fully embraced that i was like people don't know anything about me where i come from i could be anybody yeah. and so i was like who would I want to be? And so I just thought, why wouldn't I just be like my best self, like my most confident self? Cause they don't know like the insecure Shamia or, you know, the doubtful Shamia. So like, why not be like fully confident, uh, self-assured, you know, me. And so I went with that mindset. And, uh, but before that I like months, it was months of me like looking in the mirror every day, not even kidding, looking in the mirror forcing myself to smile and giving myself five to 10 compliments. And they each had to be different every day. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Who, where did you pick up that habit from? Who, how did you get in your head that that was a good way to build yourself up? Literally Google. I was like, how do I improve my self esteem? Wow. (laughs) Because I love learning, which is funny because I wasn't really good in school but little did I know it was because like the subjects just didn't interest me as much. And so I started to get into like personal development a lot more because I was like, I'm miserable. Like I don't like me right now. So how can I expect someone else to like me? Like, why would I search for that validation like outward? Because they're not going to give it to me unless I like reflect it back. And so I started to think about that a lot. And so I was like, well, I need like an action plan or this is not going to happen. And so every day I would like say the compliment, smile. I would like wear my personality. 
And that was like another thing. Like I was hiding behind like my clothes or hiding behind like whatever. And instead of doing that, I was like, well, why don't I show people who I am without saying anything? Especially as an introvert, it's very hard for me to sort of like talk to people. (laughs) And I, but my thing was, okay, Shamia, if this is your problem, how can we solve it? And I was like, well, if I can wear like what they call statement pieces, that's usually like things people bring up first about you. And I was like, well, why don't I make that a part of like myself? Like, what is my statement piece? Like, what do I want people to notice about me right off the bat? And so then I was like, you know what, I'm going to embrace it. And so I dyed my my bangs like super bright red and I started wearing like more like rock things and I got um for my 21st birthday I got like a Monroe piercing I went like full into it I like leaned in (laughs) you did some self-building yeah and I was like you know what if this is what I need to like start to build my inner self then that's what I need to put in place so that when I don't have these things I still have the discipline of them. And that was what I was trying to like instill within myself, the discipline of confidence. And it's, um, I listened to a lot of like Tony Robbins and stuff. (laughs) And his thing is like creating confidence. It's not something that you have. It's something you have to create. And I never thought about it that way, that it was something I can control versus like you either have it or you don't you know and so when I thought of it like that it gave me even more power to be myself because it was a choice that I was like actively making and so um it wasn't easy (laughs) because I also with that process you have to like confront the things that are not good about yourself and what maybe you're ashamed of or embarrassed by and really like confront it and and tell yourself like just because you're x or you did x like that doesn't mean you're y and so it's just like a thing i thought about and so i took that with me to england and i think because of that that's why this was able to happen wow so you earned this you earned this yeah wow i said all blown away (laughs) that you were going through this or you were putting yourself through this journey at the age of what, like 20, 21, mm-hmm. 22. That's incredible. People don't do that. Like I can just tell you flat out that people don't do that. You're incredible. And also like the, the theme that we, Oh, so many things. Another thing <laughs> is the resilience, like the the curiosity about yourself and the like can do attitude of seeing your your emotional state as a problem that could be worked on. That's incredible. People don't behave that way, especially at the age, like I said. And then the thing that we talked about with your first junction of small steps and kind of trusting the process and hoping that something good would come of it. It sounds like you approached like the big task of making yourself happy in this life the mm-hmm. same way you were like well maybe if i just dye my <laughs> dye my bangs red it seems so trivial one. but like it felt so good to like not be like this who i thought i should be and when i was in high school before my mom died um i was super into like self expression and like things like that but then when she did pass it felt weird to 
I mean, uh, on overall, it just felt weird to be happy, you know? Yeah. And it, it just, I essentially had to give myself permission to be happy. And so remembering that she wouldn't want me like not getting out of bed or, you know, whatever, like drinking myself to death, what have you, like she would want me to go see England and France and, you know, Scotland and stuff. Like she would want me to, to experience those things. And of course she would want to be there with me, but you know, if she can, like, of course she wouldn't be so selfish to want me to not have those things. And so, um, there was that part, but the other part was like, I also didn't, I also used my mom's life as sort of like a pre, I guess like of how not to be, I guess how I didn't want to end up. Like I said, like she had never really traveled, like her kids were her life and she went to work provided and I never really saw my mom have fun unless she was like storytelling, like just like telling us about things in her life and stuff. And I didn't want that. Like I didn't want to get bogged down by like life's BS. I wanted to like actually get something from it. Like I didn't want to just be um, going through the motions. And for the longest time I was after her death, I was just like, in a trance like I honestly like when people ask me how'd you do it I'm like I don't know I was just like on autopilot <laughs> and so like using my mom's like life and and modeling not necessarily after her but just like if I have all these opportunities especially like with technology and how far we've come and being able to connect with one another like more efficiently and easily like, why wouldn't I take advantage of that? Like, you know, especially because I'm able-bodied, you know, I did go to college. I, you know, know some things. Um, I'm funny-ish and I have an okay personality. <laughs> so, like, why wouldn't I try to push for um, beyond, like, average stuff? Because at the, at the end of the day, like, that's what is the default so even if nothing else works out in my life, I could still just go down, get like a a job at a restaurant or like at a department store. Like that'll always be there. Mm -hmm. But like experiences like studying abroad or, you know, meeting the love of your life, like that's not going to always happen. And so when it comes, like I've conditioned myself to say yes, even though like I don't know the whole picture and now that I think about it, I was thinking that probably also comes from like improv. I used to do improv. Oh, yeah. And there's the, um, yes, if, and. yes, yeah, yes, and. And so I took that to heart. I was like, yo, this is like life Except lessons. Except when he complimented your hair. Yeah. <laughs> Side note, the hair she dyed is the one I complimented. Yeah. The, the oh. effort I got was okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was. That it was. story just, yeah, mm -hmm. I love the intersection there. Yeah. So the hair. That was your step one in being mm -hmm. like recreating and look what yourself. Happened. Like and immediately, that, it oh, was the first thing love it. that he noticed, and I was like, "Wow, this this worked. This <laughs> is working." Yeah, you really just have to put forth some effort. Oh, I love how this story. I love how the story of your life is. <laughs> how you're telling it? Okay. Um, 
And it sounds like another important junction here. It was a gradual one, but one that nonetheless was to allow yourself to be happy, mm-hmm. to allow yourself to want things for yourself. And that seems like the most important one of all here. Yeah. Uh, one of the nice things you wanted for yourself was the business that you've started. And this hour really is flat. Like we have, I can't even, I'm looking at the time. Left. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. No, I know. I, I, <laughs> definitely have been very conscious of the clock and wanted to get to the business but it's like this was so magic and powerful (laughs) up until now so let's talk really quick about your decision so you're back you're happily you're happily ever after Mm -hmm. let's talk about the decision to start your career and then eventually to start your business right so in the eight minutes that we (laughs) yeah um, in a nutshell, I just um, I got disheartened as I said before like acting was really the Thing I was super serious about and um, when I went out into the real world <laughs> and started going on auditions and just like looking up casting notices I started to notice a pattern that people who looked like me weren't necessarily getting the roles that they wanted or that they could uh, potentially uh, be great in and um that started to really chip away at my spirit. I I started to like go back to my old ways of being like super insecure and like, Oh my God, am I worthy enough? And I really started to put my worth in acting because again, it was the thing that I had when my mom was alive and she always watched my performances and like all this other stuff. And so feeling like I wasn't good enough, I just didn't, like that so i was like whoa before this snowballs into like things you can't come back from like maybe this isn't how do i say this like one of my favorite uh phrases is there are many roads that lead to rome Mm. and so sometimes we get so caught up with how like things should look in order to achieve our end goal and i was definitely that person And it wasn't until I started to like feel less than that I decided like, I don't think this is how it should go. Like, I don't think I should feel bad while I'm pursuing my dreams. Like, isn't this supposed to make me happy? Because I would spend, I mean, acting, like how often do you actually get to act when you're not like super famous? Like most of it is putting yourself out there, reading casting notices, like mailing casting directors, tweeting people. It's all the stuff that is not acting that I'm not in love with, but it's the part that is making me feel the worst because they're not looking for people like me. But if they're not, then I have to. And so I started to think like, well, if acting isn't the thing that I want to do right now. Like what else can I do? And one of my other passions is baking. And so I got hired at a bakery and I thought that I would move my way up from, you know, like counter staff to um, what I wanted in the past was like cake decorating. And I thought that I'd be able to move up and they started hiring like outside of the company and bringing in new managers and people. And so it was like, getting harder and harder to um, get promoted. And so I started to get super discouraged. Luckily, at the same time, 
I had a blog and it was about my relationship with my husband and people were just interested, you know, like yeah. they had never really heard of anyone marrying their first boyfriend and not ever being with anyone else. And so it was just like offering my uh, perspective and a lot of people were into it. So I started to Google, trusty Google, <laughs> um, like how to make money off my blog or just like with this like expertise that I have and like my interests and relationships and and things like that. And one of the things I stumbled upon was like um, becoming an entrepreneur and starting my own business as like a love coach. And I did that. I quit my job. I told him the day of and I was like, look, I'm going to do this. And he was like, what? is that like how are you gonna make oh money God, we could do a whole nother episode yeah. about that decision yeah. yeah i was like i don't know what that is but go for it <laughs> i don't know what it is good husband you, yeah. hate, you hate making cakes so yeah <laughs> yeah so i started to resent it and i was like yo if i'm if you start to resent your passion like something is wrong um if it's not bringing you joy anymore like wow. stop doing that yeah just the incredible wisdom you've shared that the same thing about acting if the thing that makes you happy isn't making you happy it's not making you happy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm just so floored by your the wisdom for you that you did that in your, you know, your 20s. We reached a point where, I mean, we all have a bad day at work. And whenever I have a bad day, I, I'll start complaining about it. And, and she'll say, uh, st stop, quit. <laughs> and I'll, well, hold on, I don't, I don't want to quit. And she's like, well, then, then shut up. <laughs> <laughs> quit or shut up. Mm -hmm. And you're, you say, okay. okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So you have a minute to tell me about starting a business. Yeah. Bill. So, um, <laughs> made I, money from the blog. I, uh, my first money was selling ad space on my blog. I felt like a superstar. And then, um, I started pitching myself to magazines and I got into Ebony magazine within three months. Amazing. And I was like, this is a sign. Yeah. And then one thing led to another and I, I started having clients. I was making like four figures, just like way more than I would have ever made working in the, in the bakery, even as like a cake decorator. <laughs> um, and then I started to, evolve into it, it evolved into like my love of design because i had no money I, I had like 200 dollars when i quit and i was like i need a website i need like professional stuff to be a love coach and um i did all that and i realized that i really love design and photography and so i made a pivot and now i do that full time and i haven't looked back since and I am just so inspired by the way you've architected your life. You've decided to be happy and you did exactly that. And it's honestly the most inspirational thing I can imagine hearing. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. You're Do welcome. you have anything you want to plug to send our listeners to? Um, I have a website. Yeah. Um, it's shamiacassianocreative.com and it has my portfolio. It says like how you can reach out to me and, uh, how to work with me and, and things like that. But yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Go to radiofreebrooklyn.com to donate. It's funded by listeners like you in part. 